Welcome to Office Talk, a fortnightly podcast featuring in-depth conversations with leading architects about their approach to business, marketing, and communications. I'm your host, Dave Sharp, an architectural marketing expert and director of Office Dave Sharp, a marketing practice offering specialized consultancy, marketing, and PR services tailored to meet the particular needs of architects. Visit officedavesharp.com to learn more or follow the practice on Instagram at officedavesharp. Joining me on the show today is Hugh Wellard from Wellard Architects, a four-person Melbourne-based practice best known for their award-winning homes, beach houses, and holiday houses. In this episode, Hugh and I discussed how their recent rebranding journey has helped them to transition from working on a high volume of tight inner-city terraces towards fewer but more substantial new builds, resulting in simpler project management, more time for the client relationship, and better quality inquiries. We looked at the strong relationship between the work that you show as a practice and the work that you attract, and how Hugh made the tough call to retire projects from the website as part of this recent rebrand, what that selection process involved, and why showing fewer but better projects has changed the trajectory of the practice in his words. We spoke about how Hugh has adjusted his fee structures in recent years to improve practice profitability and avoid over-servicing clients, as well as sharing his insights from a recent analysis of the project's inquiries and productivity. And finally, we discussed the superiority of word of mouth marketing and what can help to drive repeat business and referral opportunities in the residential sector. If you have any marketing, brand, or business questions you would like me and my guests to discuss in future episodes, please send them to info at officedavesharp.com. If you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please make sure to follow the podcast to hear a new conversation every second Wednesday, including upcoming interviews with Eastop Architects, Sasala Interior Design, and Richard Stanisich. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Hugh Wellard from Wellard Architects. Hugh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Very exciting to have you. Um, let's just start off with a little bit of an overview of uh, of the practice of, of Willard Architects. I'm, I'm keen to hear what you guys are becoming known for and what your sort of bread and butter work is these days. What are you guys up to? I think we established in uh, 2010, so was it 13 years in, in business. And I mean, I guess our, our, we're kind of known or our bread and butter work is, is residential uh, residential sort of work, and uh, I guess like a lot of practices, that's changed over over the journey. You know, we sort of started doing you know, smaller alterations and additions projects, and that's kind of led to to larger commissions more recently. But I guess perhaps also in, in more recent years, we have taken on a bit of commercial work as well. So um, predominantly residential practice, but we do sort of take on the occasional sort of commercial project as well. Um, we're a fairly tight team in here. We're four four people at the moment, so we sort of oscillate between you know, four and seven, depending on what work we have on at any one time. And yeah, architectural um, sort of work and interior design work as well. Yeah, yeah. And and you guys are based in Melbourne, right? Yeah, we are. Um, yeah, based in based in South Melbourne, so we sort of had offices here pretty much since we sort of established the business and. Uh, yeah, I think you know a lot of our early work was was all sort of based in South Melbourne and um, you know, where our office is located and um, you know sort of the, the traditional little terrace you know kind of extensions really tight you know footprint small budget small scale works and um, that's sort of you know kind of grown fairly organically I guess over the over the past sort of twelve or thirteen years. When when you started going from that sort of typical South Melbourne, inner Melbourne sort of project type and started spreading your wings out into the Mornington Peninsula and Byron Bay and some of these sort Mm. of more like kind of new build, 
epic coastal sort of markets. Was that like a really big turning point for the studio where, okay, now we're working on maybe fewer projects, but at a slightly larger scale and with maybe some fewer limitations in some ways? Was that a big sort of turning point for the studio? It was massive. And I can't really sort of pinpoint um, when it happened exactly, but we we had a, a sort of a few opportunities that that sort of presented to us, you know, probably six or seven years ago now, and yeah, just just really really lucky to to you know win some pretty amazing commissions down at the Peninsula in particular. Um, we we'd been working on some projects in Albert Park in South Melbourne. A, a client had seen our um, our work uh, that we'd sort of you know sort of done on a particular house we'd done in in Albert Park, and, and really loved the way that we sort of approached. You know what was quite a small building, and um, we were awarded a, you know a large uh, commission for a for a new beach house uh, in Summers and uh, on the Mornington Peninsula on the back of that, which was really amazing. And it was kind of kind of interesting, sort of you know kind of grouped um, at the same time as another couple of commissions that were also uh, down that way, a project in Porsey and a, a project in um, in Blairgowrie. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of happened fairly sort of organically from there it's 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 a it's a typology we love designing a you know a holiday home for for a client is a really sort of special um you know thing to do it's it's obviously it's got the same sort of you know kind of programmatic requirements in many ways as a principal place of residence in that you know you still have bedrooms and bathrooms and laundries and all of those usual things but as it's a holiday home, it's it's very much a, a sort of a, a, a different approach. I think really trying to kind of get an understanding about a how a family might utilise that house or, or live in that house, but uh, but also how they might entertain and when you know, thinking about how, really how they're using it when they're on holidays and uh, and they're getting away from their you know sort of their day to day lives. Beach houses and holiday houses is actually quite a specific market and category, isn't it? Have you had moments in time where you've gone maybe, ah, oh, do we sort of lean into this and sort of think of this as our specialty and the thing that we maybe, you know, start actually articulating through our website and our social media and stuff like that? Or have you maybe been reluctant to do that because it is quite a specific niche? Because that's been something that you guys have been thinking about a little bit? Probably a little bit more recently. Uh, I th- I th- it's a really interesting one. I, I think possibly like a lot of studios, I mean, it's, it's really at the, at the end of the day all about, the, you know, the client, the quality of the client and the brief. And that can take on so many different guises. I mean, like I mentioned at the, the outset, we, we occasionally take on some commercial projects and it's usually for one client. But we have a wonderful relationship with this person. So it's a super enjoyable, generally they're a super, super enjoyable sort of project or projects to work on. And we keep, you know, coming back and, and doing those, those types of jobs because as a studio we get something out of it. I, I guess in answer to your question, we, we had been sort of hesitant, I think, sort of in the past about not wanting to get sort of pigeonholed into doing one particular sort of type of residential work. But it, it's sort of funny. I think I think I see the evolution of our practice in that, you know, we were doing a lot of very, very tight infill alterations and additions work, like, like what I was saying. And, you know, we're, we're really proud of those projects. But we went through a, a, a rebranding exercise last year and launched a new website, um, I think it was in January of this year, which doesn't have any of those projects on it. So there's been definitely, I think, a, a shift in our thinking about, okay, whilst we're very proud of the work that we've done to date, um, a lot of that stuff hasn't really made the cut because we're, I guess, now sort of looking to, okay, I guess projects that are really interested in us and, and we're interested in working 
you know, not just in Victoria. We've got, we've got produce in New South Wales and Tasmania and Queensland at the moment as well. And, um, you know, generally what we're finding is that the um, people are sort of like coming, you know, coming to us and it's more, more for their, you know, for their holiday home or their country retreat or whatever it might be as opposed to the inner city, you know, sort of tight urban infill kind of work that we have been doing previously. And that's probably a bit of a reflection on, yeah, how we've, how we've kind of gone about this, this new website and our, um, our rebrand, or I guess maybe the work that we're you know, putting, putting sort of to the public. And this is certainly something that's probably been more, maybe over the last couple of years more so than, than something that we were, you know, kind of looking at, say, five, six years ago. It's interesting. I mean, when we when we had our briefing chat for the podcast a couple of weeks ago, a comment that you made sort of stru- uh, struck me, and I and I made sure to write it down. But it was saying something about how we've been, you know, we've been up and going for thirteen years as a practice, but we've only got nine projects on the website. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. "Hell yeah, I love it. I love the um takes takes com- takes a lot of courage to do that. You know, to take." 80% of your projects and go, you know what, we're not even going to hedge and put them on some like little hidden archive page, you know, so we can always like hope that somebody will still look at them. We're just going to be ruthless and cut back, cut it right down to the bloody stump. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. practice and just go, you know, that's it. Now we're going to be all, we're going to be a healthy bloody rose bush from this point onwards. Well, hopefully it works for us, but I don't know. It's, 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 <laughs> well, you're still here. You're absolutely right. And, and, Sort of talking to our design team when we were going through this this rebrand exercise, I mean, it was a real focal point. In the early days when looking at that, and you know, it's funny, you know, thirteen years. I mean, it's a long time. I mean, I, I you know, I sort of remember when we 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 first set up. It was, you know, we had a, a couple of pretty crappy commissions. I think one of my clients, you know, they got separated. You know, after you know, about about two months after we sort of started our business, so that project got shelved immediately, and then. You know, lots of garage commissions and you know kitchens and all sorts of you know sort of bits and pieces. So it, it I think that one of the things that that Caramel Creative, who, who are the um, creative agency that we use to, to do our website, they they sort of said, look, you, you've got to sort of you know think about the uh, you know the evolution of your business, but also perhaps a, a bit of maturity in terms of um, you know, yeah, the, the, those projects early days, a lot of them were taken because you absolutely needed to take them on. You know, we're, we're now sort of looking at, okay, what are, what are the things that are really, you know, sort of really motivating us? What are the projects that we really want to be doing? And hopefully that's that's something that after being in 13 years, of, you know, in business for 13 years, you, you, you sort of have that ability or you yeah, have enough of a name out there that if people are thinking about, yeah, building a beach house or whatever it might be, you know, hope, hopefully we're on their radars um, in some yeah. shape or form. Yeah, it's a tough thing to do because every project, you'll be able to find something in it that you really like, even if overall it's not a super strong project. It comes up in conversation a lot when we're talking about having a question of whether or not we actually bother to shoot some tiny little project we've taken on because we need it, but now it's finished and we're like, you know, let's get some photos because there's a couple of nice angles or there's a couple of nice details. Like I don't know how many times I've heard that. But uh, ultimately, the project as a whole is probably not communicating that well, and it's like definitely not going to be at the top of the portfolio. You're going to be put popping it straight down the bottom of the list, kind of thing. So, you know, but as like architects, we do have a tendency to kind of every every project, yeah, it's got something beautiful in it, and so yeah, I, I, I respect the the toughness to just go. Okay, well, let's talk, yeah. let's talk again in six months, and we'll see. I'll, I'll yeah, give you an update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to go <laughs> by, the, by the time the episode comes out, there'll be like you know twenty four projects on the portfolio. Um, 
But but so in terms of the process of selecting the kind of the nine that you went with, and I'm sure it's not going to just sort of stay at nine. It'll probably, you know, you're not going to be like one in, one out with projects going forward, I guess. But what were some of the criteria you're thinking about as a selection process? It's interesting from a design standpoint. I guess it's sort of a substantial project in terms of budget and stuff like that. But were there any other criteria that you were sort of thinking or, or front of your mind? I think the the way we the way we went about it was that I think we we had a, a number of projects that were terrace housing basically. So there was there was probably you know eight to ten projects that we had photographed um, that. Whilst, and I, I think you're right. I mean, I think all of those projects had had you know something that we really loved, you know, or, or sort of took out of the project, whether it was a sort of a resolution of detail or or a sort of a, a sort of a, a system that we'd used and executed really well, or that we thought we'd executed really well. There was usually a, a really nice takeaway. So, whilst really important, I think to to kind of get that you know sort of photograph as part of a portfolio. What we were, I think, mindful of as part of our rebrand was, okay, we can't sort of have six terrace houses, one beach house, you know, one commercial project. There, there needed to be a bit of a sort of a, a, a sort of a, a broader selection on the work. And I guess the selection of some of the projects that we, we had used were, you know, there's, there's, I think there's one terrace house on the website and there's a couple of, you know, sort of more substantial, you know, sort of alterations and additions project, one to a Victorian house, one to an Edwardian house. But you know, utilising different cladding. So I think our, our practice previously, and perhaps it's still to this day, is sort of known for our use of timber. I mean, we we, we love Australian hardwood, and we do use it a lot in our work. But I think there's just a, a kind of a, a, a sort of a broader you know, sort of palette that's that's kind of crept into our projects in more recent times. And I think it was important to sort of try and showcase that a little bit through yes, these projects that have made their way onto the website. And it's it's really interesting. There'll be a, a, a sort of a series of other projects that will get added to the website over the over the course of the next few months, which sort of perhaps are a slightly different pathway as well. So yeah, looking forward to kind of getting that out there. I think that you know our practice as a whole, we we obviously had some some fundamental things that we try and achieve with every single project that comes our way. But you know, I, I, I was also mindful of not getting sort of pigeonholed into a particular design style or, you know, you know, we, we'd like to use these particular materials and be absolutely fixated on that. I think there was it was really sort of important to show that, no, we've got a sort of a, a breadth of, of understanding across a number of different mediums and just making sure that that was accurately represented on the website as well. Yeah, so it sounds like you're playing with the ratios there in terms of realising that if you take a big sort of step back from kind of the portfolio and if the portfolio, for example, was like, seven out of the 10 projects or like whatever, 14 out of the 20 were terraces and then two were beach houses or whatever. Like to the outsider, we're an an 80% or 70% terrace architecture practice, right? So it's just acknowledging that people do sort of read the proportions like that. And and similarly, if it's dominated 90% by one material, that's what people are going to associate with us. Or if they see that 80% of the projects they're looking at, they would estimate would be under half a million dollar construction budget just in an instant by just a superficial examination of all of it, they, their brain starts doing the little Dymo labeler on Willard and goes, these guys are $400,000 timber terrace architects, right? That's exactly right. It's maybe a kind of a simplistic way of looking at it, but at the end of the day, people are pretty simple, aren't they? We have these sort of shortcuts to create an impression of uh, like, you know, you can look at a practice and in 30 seconds basically get a read on them and what they do, what they're about. So we're just kind of acknowledging that and sort of playing with that system a little bit and going, hey, we'll show you 70% 
these these sorts of projects that we're going for. I think it totally makes sense, but so few people do it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It is a really simplistic way to, to, to view <laughs> it, but, but I, I guess that, and don't get me wrong, we love terrace houses. I've lived in terraces for a good portion of my life. I, I enjoy working on those types of projects as well, but um, you, know, you might get some media coverage on a, on a terrace house. We, we did one in uh, Middle Park some years ago. I actually thought about a couple of projects, one in South Melbourne, one in Middle Park, uh, another in Alla Park and got a, a bit of media, a bit of press sort of coverage on on all three of those. And, and of course, you know, as soon as you get that, the phone starts ringing, but all the commissions are terraces, single-fronted, budget of whatever, whatever it might be. And so, yeah, you instantly sort of get typecast into, yep, that's what these guys do. And, look, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But as a practice, I think that, you know, just as time has gone on, we've been looking for other challenges and, you um, Really, but being fortunate enough to, 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 to win a couple of commissions on the peninsula for beach houses has sort of changed the trajectory of our practice a little bit. And, and it's funny, I think that, that you know, if you are going to sort of promote any of your work, whether it's via social media or if it's, if it's more sort of traditional kind of media outlets, I think sort of promoting the work that you want to be doing, it's pretty makes sense doesn't it like it's it's sort of it's it's, it's the it's the stuff that's getting out in the public eye so um yeah winning winning work is one thing but then you know building it getting it photographed and and, and kind of you know marketing it, getting out there for the public to see that's led you know our practice to yeah, winning more of that type of work i think the thing that's tough for people is actually that period of transition where you don't have much of that new thing you're trying to do more of so where it's like the beach house is one project of 15 on your sort of website or in your pipeline or whatever and it's always a common challenge or it will be you know clients will be saying to me like i we're working on this absolutely amazing multi-res project at the moment it's our only multi-res project we want to do more multi-res like what do we do with it it's just how do you squeeze more brand image association out of something that is only a small piece of the of the pie and i guess by the sounds of it from what you're describing it's both like squeeze as much publicity out of that one thing as you can or that one or two things which we can talk more about but it's also about softening the other stuff around it isn't it it's both sides yeah i think i think that's right and um I think, I think you've got to be really, really careful. I, I, I don't know whether we do it well or, 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 or not, but it's, it's very, very tempting to, you know, to kind of go full tilt on a particular project if it's something you, you want to hang your hat on, go, yep, this is the, the future of our practice, doing this type of work and those sorts of things. But, you know, in, in this sort of day and age where everyone on Instagram 15 times a day kind of, you know, flicking through their, their feed, um, if they keep saying the same stuff, then is it yeah those questions kind of arise about okay what, you know do these guys have a track record or is this a, sort of a, a one hit wonder what is it and that's a, that's a, that's an interesting sort of or a fine line I guess as well but um, I don't think we've got the got the right answer uh, to it but it's it's more just I think they're having an awareness about it and I think you're right you know the the, the other part of is softening the you know, the kind of, you know, the other background projects that also very important might not be where you want to be sort of travelling to or where you want to be focusing um, sort of on in the future. It's an interesting point. You know, I personally, I I think generally speaking, architects, I feel like they actually don't really make the most of their hit projects that do really, really well. The number of times there'll be some awesome project that is a peak of what a studio has gotten in terms of buzz and publicity and stuff. 
you know, I look at when was the last time they even posted a shot from it and it'll be like 17 months ago on Instagram or something and they might have only posted it one time or something and it's like a band that has a hit song and then they play it for one, you know, tour and then they never play it again and it disappoints mm. the audience. I do feel like as an industry we sometimes do move on a little bit too quickly but you make a really good point actually and I hadn't really thought about it which is if you do smash it a little bit too hard on that one project it does it does it lead to people kind of going oh is this like all they have done or really do like it does it start to actually take away from that sense that you're experienced and have some runs on the board and have some diversity of what you're about you know there's a hundred percent I think there's an element to that and yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I think you know I talk to sort of architects colleagues about this all the time. But um, you know, I, I think for a few of us that are probably at the same age and have been in practice for a similar amount of time, it's um, you know the, the the common the common trend is the or the common thread is that you know we're, we've been around the block. I, I guess you know we 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 understand our practice. We understand the services that we offer and the sort of you know what we can kind of bring to a project. So that there's this. I think it's really important that whilst you, you you know you have to stand behind the work that you've kind of you know sort of done to date and the work that you've you know kind of you got out of the public realm, it's so important. I think that if you're sort of pitching for work or you're sort of following up with a prospective client, that you have that that face to face you know sort of direct interaction with someone. And I think that you know COVID made it so difficult to do that, obviously, um, but you know. Weirdly, as well, at the same time, we, we were sort of pretty successful in terms of you know kind of winning work and actually actually kind of you know, sort of taking on kind of commissions through that through that period as well. So it's really funny because I, I think that there's a sort of seems to be a couple of contradictions with 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 those things in that you know architecture you know doing any sort of type of building project I and mean, there's a lot of time and trust and energy and money that goes into any sort of building project. The relationship and the client sort of architect relationship and, you know, client builder relationship is absolutely critical. I've I've always been a big believer that making sure that you sort of follow up and have that, that opportunity to kind of, you know, solidify or strengthen that relationship at a really early stage is, is so important. And that's something that we probably haven't been particularly good at, you know, kind of previously, but it's something we've really focused on you know, in more recent years, sort of particularly post, post-COVID. post Yeah, interesting. So in terms of focusing on getting better at it, what did you kind of identify that you were doing wrong in, in the old days? I think, I think um, often a lot, of, a lot of us might sort of fall into the trap of, yeah, you, know, you might have a meeting with someone. You might talk through a project. It's all very exciting, and then you know it might be a, a matter of you know submitting a fee proposal and, and submitting it via email rather than submitting it face to face. And then when you're talking about architectural services, particularly if you're offering a full architectural service, there's a lot of numbers there that uh, that possibly need clarification. And it's so much better doing that face to face than. You know, it's sort of trying to trying to convey all that information in an email and potentially follow up with a phone call. So, I think that's that's something that we've focused on quite a lot. Of, you know, as a as a practice in more recent times, and I think it's really just more about you know actually just you know kind of improving or another opportunity for a meeting with a, with a, with a, with a client before you actually put pen to paper and start designing something. It's strengthening that relationship and. Uh, and I think that's only a, only a positive thing, and particularly for you know for projects that might take three or four years, you know, from you know from from concept to you know when you hand them their keys back on their completed house. So yeah, all just really about yeah sort of strengthening those relationships with um, 
you know, with, with your clients. I think that's that's something that we've tried to improve on as a practice um, over the last couple of years. It's interesting. I mean, it sounds like overall the kind of the journey that you've been going on with the business is you were dealing with a lot more projects and sort of smaller projects in the earlier days. And now it's focusing in on maybe fewer projects on the go at any point in time, but yep. with like a more white glove premium sort of business class type service and, and relationship and having a little bit a few fewer projects to be kind of spreading yourself across is enabling you to offer that sort of a bit more depth in that service but then that you're also you know that depth of service or those initial interactions and having more time per project is also helping to attract more of that type of project you know it's actually making by the sounds of it improving kind of your conversion rate of people sort of agree or wanting to work with you and that sort of thing so is that sort of like the direction that you feel like it's heading and then as you're sort of going in that direction you're sort of thinking about what does that kind of like enable us to do yeah you're absolutely right like find the right type of clients and, and hopefully that means there's less projects but just better projects on any one period of time and you know, like I mentioned at the outset, we're, we're a pretty small practice, three, three architects and an interior designer. So produce quite a lot of work for a small for a small practice. But I think that, yeah, the, the ability to sort of really harness and sort of focus on a project and you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the personal relationship um, sort of piece with, with clients and anyone involved in the project has always been really important to me. Um, you know, life's short to work with dickheads as far as I'm concerned. So I, I, I have a... A pretty sort of strong sort of opinion on that and um yeah i mean you know i think, I think we're very fortunate you know at the moment we're working with some some great people on some great projects and you know we're the right fit for each other you know ultimately um both both at a client angle and, a, and an architect angle and um you know sort of touch wood that's 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 working relatively well for us at the moment but yeah it certainly has been a concerted effort i mean it wasn't that long ago dave that you know we probably had you know, 20, 25 active projects on at any one time. And that's just, it's a lot of, a lot of addresses, a lot of names, a lot of people that you're, you're constantly managing. Um, and, you know, I think at the moment we've probably, probably got half that as, as active jobs at the moment. So that's, that's been a sort of a, a really concerted effort over the past probably probably four years really to sort of um you know kind of get get to that level and i, I don't know if we've quite got the balance quite right just yet but um yeah i think i feel it's i feel it's heading in the right the right direction no it's interesting i mean you you mentioned last time we spoke that you were thinking probably the goal would be get to a getting to about having like six jobs actively or something like that which is pretty it's a pretty big change from 25 you know for a for a small team massively and, and it's yeah. you know i think the you know the 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 and again, perhaps this this um, comes back a little bit to the type of project you're doing. I mean, if it's a, an inner city, you know, ultra conditions, all new build uh, that might you know, on a site that might have a heritage overlay or a number of different design development overlays or whatever it is, you'll you'll burn a huge amount of time in town planning and all of those things, as you know. So, I guess there's the you know the benefit with doing perhaps more kind of regional work is that. You know, neighbours and context becomes less of an issue. You know, you're not necessarily you've got 12 neighbours that are going to object to a house that's getting built on the site next door, but you'll still have your overlays that you'll need to have, you know, consultant advice on and all those things, obviously. But we, we find that we're able to program our projects a whole lot better. Um, so rather than having downtime, you know, on jobs whilst you're waiting for council to make a decision on something, 
we're sort of finding with a lot of the work that we're doing at the moment that um, we're able to kind of you know strategically kind of work through our you know our stages of service and um, there's less kind of you know sort of grey area or downtime whilst you're waiting for you know waiting for permits and and, and those sort of things. Um, yeah, six might be a bit ambitious, though. It might be might, might be close to eight. Might be might be the way to go, but, but something something like something like it better than twenty five. Yeah. It, it's a good kind of like overall or high level business objective, right? Because you have to come up with probably you know a handful of different levers to try and pull to get to it, right? Like it can't just be you know it's not just going to be marketing. It's not just going to be how do we design our sales process. You kind of need to kind of gives you almost like a vision of what does the six project or eight project studio look like and then how do we begin implementing what that looks like, you know? Yeah, it takes a lot of time and, and we've, we've sat down as a practice a couple of times, you know, fairly recently, you know, to talk through exactly it is and it's it sort of goes back to things like, you know, what is the ideal project? You know, what, what does that actually look like? Um, it set aside the fees and budgets and whatever else, but okay, what, what are the what are the ideal projects that we want to be tackling? And you know, from there, it's it's sort of you know, sort of the theme is kind of you know, sort of developing around you know, beach houses and 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 these these types of projects that we've been talking about. But I think that. Um, you know, it's there's, there's there's that sort of understanding, but it's also then kind of you know working sort of through okay as a business, how do we make this financially viable? I mean, if you're taking on only a very select number of projects every year, or the you know, the sort of the, the, the fee structure and, the, and and how you're billing, you know, for, for those projects is pretty pretty important to keep the lights on. So there's a there's a, a bit of a, a, a kind of a tension there between um, you know the kind of the ideal sort of project sort of structure within an office but, but also making sure that the business is is healthy and um and kind of running as efficiently as it possibly can so that's something that you know we've been trying to sort of work on for 13 years it'll take us another 13 years i'm sure before we're any closer to having a clearer idea on that but but some practices do it so well you know you 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 know, a lot of practices that we, we really look, you know, sort of look up to have, have made those kind of decisions early and they, they really sort of follow through, I think, with projects that you know, align with their design ethos and what have you. And, you know, again, if you get on their websites, um, might have a very sort of you know, small amount of projects that are up there, um, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know in, the, in the sort of the public realm. But I, I would dare say that, you know, every architect you've had on the podcast will probably know, you know, people that, that, that approach it the same way and I think that that's sort of something that um, inevitably just takes time because unfortunately building houses or building anything just takes takes a long time these, these projects are things that are done in, you know, in six months they, they often take six years so um, it's, a, it's a long game that's for sure. Yeah I think the key thing is that you actually sat down and, and talked about it and worked it out you know and did the planning and you really like by the sounds of it, kind of developed a strategy and recognised the trade-offs and where things might not be feasible. We have to maybe compromise on certain things and not every studio does that or can go about that process. So I think that was probably extremely helpful, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and look, I, I think I think the rebranding process that we, we went um, on, it was, it was an extensive process and it, it took us almost 12 months, I think, to, to, to sort of get it to where it is now and there's, there's still tweaks that need to get made obviously but it's it was really helpful i think i think it you know the, the business after being around for as long as we have we we needed to i think reflect on on, on what we sort of achieved to date what what we sort of done to date 
but you know you've, you've got to look to the future you know you have to look to you know what's what you know what's exciting you what's um you know wh- where are the next challenges coming from and you know like we're, we're super excited about you know sort of projects that we've got all over australia at the moment you know this is something that i just four or five years ago i just did not think we'd be doing work interstate um you know, i'm looking at a project in hawaii at the moment you know i never thought i'd be looking at doing something overseas so you know, I don't know whether that's a COVID-related thing. People getting used to the idea of you know having sort of conversations like this, where we're you know we're on Zoom, we're, we're looking at each other, we're having a conversation. But it, it seems to me that um, there seems to be a whole lot more sort of confidence out there, just with people going, well, yeah, I really like this person's work. I might as well pick up the phone, and have a have a chat to them, and you know, if, if we get along, potentially there's an opportunity to, to, to do a project together. And I, I think that that's something that just wouldn't have happened five or six years ago, certainly not for our practice. If you're picking up stuff interstate or internationally, there must be a perception, this idea of like having a, a unique selling point or point of difference or being differentiated in some way, it's probably, a, I think differentiation is probably an oversold or overstated topic in marketing and the way people think about how they need to, the first thing I need to do in my marketing is work out my USP, which is pretty much the worst thing to start off with generally. Most people that come on the practice don't really have a unique selling point or anything like that really that they can put their finger on. So feel free to not have one. <laughs> I, I definitely to, don't. To, Sorry, Dave. Yeah, exactly. I knew it was, I'm like, I'm not even going to let you tell me you don't have one. I already know you don't have one. But, you know, to, to be sought after interstate or internationally, that does say, you know, rash, like rationally that there must not be uh, whatever you're fulfilling for that client, there must not be one of that in their market from their, from their standpoint. Because I think clients, generally speaking, although, yeah, of course, COVID and we've gone remote and all that sort of thing, I think universally they do tend to have a bias towards architects that are sort of in their local area that yeah, they can yeah. meet, that they know can be on site. So to overcome that, to, to be sought after at a distance like that and, and to uh, have a client that will tolerate maybe that inconvenience, what, what do you suspect is maybe the thing that made them think that the architect from Melbourne is worthwhile for their Hawaii project? And maybe not that specific case, but you yeah. know what I'm kind of getting at. Well, yeah, the, the Hawaii client um, is, a, is, a, is an old client of ours. In fact, uh, one of our first projects was, um, was done for that particular client and uh, they're now at sort of retirement age and spent three, four months in Hawaii and they have done for many, many years but uh, are now looking to, to sort of relocate there full-time because children children are based in the state. So that, that's, a, I guess, a bit, of, a bit of a different one. But really, and this this isn't going to be overly helpful, Dave, I don't think, but, but all, all of our interstate um, kind of commissions to date have all been either word of mouth um, from previous clients that we've done work for or it's actually worked for previous clients. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 still probably the strongest form of referral, isn't it? It's that, it's that direct um, word of mouth um, referral, and yeah, particularly if you know we're, we're just thinking of an example. We we finished our house um, a number of years ago for some wonderful clients in Elson Weekend. I think they've referred you know three or four you know sort of clients our our way since we we completed that project, and instantaneously there's there's a kind of a connection there because. I my also the clients were fantastic people, and we really loved you know working together with those guys on that particular job. Their friends by nature are also pretty cool people too. So there's all those sort of those those initial sort of you know things that you want to try and you know sort of squeeze out of a prospective client. I mean, are they going to be a psychopath or are they going to be great to work with? You, you kind of know instinctively that it's going to work out relatively well, and um, 
that's why that's why I'm, I'm sure all our cases are the same thing. But you know, the word of mouth piece is such a such an important sort of referral path, and you know, I've been quite fortunate, you know, to, to to yeah win some commissions interstate and. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I I um I love working in different climates. I think there's I've, I've just come back from from southern Queensland and northern New South Wales only, only on Monday, and just climatically, middle of winter is twenty three degrees. You know, it's a pretty it's a pretty easy winter up there. And just thinking about how how things are designed there, it, it, it probably does resonate a little bit with our work in in, in some respects. I think that. You know, there's a sort of a, a, a kind of a, a lightness with the architecture that's up there in terms of you know the way houses are built, um, but how they they're thinking about passively sort of ventilating and you know sort of cooling these the, these these types of homes and you know screening and shading devices that have a, a level of operability to to give the sort of you know the you know the the you know the use of the optimum control as to how you filter light and you know all those sorts of things. So there's there's probably is a few things that um, that have resonated perhaps with uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, some sort of projects up, um, you know, up in up in uh, northern New South Wales and in Queensland. But it's it's funny we we we'd love to be winning war up there, but um, it's it's been it has been a bit, a bit of a slow burn. You know, we we filled a, you know, a few inquiries up there, but it's it's an interesting one. I think that there's there's been this a lot of people have kind of you know sort of moved a little bit in more recent times, and so there was an initial flurry of of sort of activity probably three or four years ago, um, you know, sort of during COVID where, you know, people were relocating into state. We were getting quite a bit of inquiry then about designing a new home you know, up north, but uh, that that has probably sort of sort of slowed down a little bit in more recent times as uh, the world's kind of got back to normal. So, yeah. so In the transition from 25, 30 projects on the go down to 15, 10, hopefully moving down to eight, six, maybe in the end one, we just got one epic project that we're working on somewhere. Uh, you know, a lot of studios want to have that transition of, yeah, we want to be working on fewer things, but better projects and, and all that sort of thing. But their mind immediately jumps to, therefore, we think we need a lot more inquiries. I, I would assume, or maybe I'm just making a guess here, but I'm guessing that to go on that journey from a lot more on the go to a sort of simpler but better kind of approach, I, I'm guessing there probably wasn't a substantial change in the number of inquiries that you would see, apart from just being overall maybe gradually organically increasing over time. But do you think there's any correlation between bigger and better projects and we're getting 15 inquiries a month instead of two, you know? Yeah, it's a really good question. We've been tracking that quite closely, I think, over the past oh, probably look at this two, guy. two and a half he's years. Got a, he's got a CRM. Yeah. He's doing analytics on his... Who would, have thought, who, who would have thought people that know I the world love just it. go, this is this is complete bullshit. But um oh, no, this I, is I, the stuff I'm here for. Go on. <laughs> but no, I, we we have been tracking that. It is seriously interesting. And when when we were probably winning more sort of terrace house type of commissions, of which um, you know, there's millions of terraces in you know, in, in Melbourne and there's a, you know plenty of architectural practices that that do that work really, really well as well. But every time we were getting some press or you know, a, a bit of a, um, or been a run on Instagram or, or sort of something like that, we would field a huge amount of inquiries all for that particular type of work because there's so much of that work around in Melbourne and in Sydney and in Brisbane uh, probably uh, probably as well. So that was really interesting. Whereas I think we, well, once we've sort of made this more concerted effort to, um, you know, focus perhaps more on larger commissions and, 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 you know, sort of holiday homes, the inquiry level has actually dropped, but the quality of the inquiry has been far better in terms of probably the people that have been calling have done a huge amount of research before they picked up the phone or sent an email. 
um, have possibly already spoken to another architect or two and have a very, very clear understanding about what the process might be. So in a way that sort of helps us a lot because like most architects, we, we, we all sort of, you know, kind of approach things in a similar way and have a similar scope of service that we offer and all those types of things. But what, yeah, we've sort of found that and, and just by tracking these these inquiries, that yeah, the inquiry levels have, have sort of dropped, but the quality of inquiry has been far better and therefore when we actually have the opportunity to, you know, sort of, you know, get in front of these clients and meet face-to-face and talk at length about their project and really try and get an understanding about how they live and how, you know, and, and what they want to get out of a project, um, we find that our sort of conversion rate to actually, you know, winning those projects is, has, has actually been, 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 been really quite good. So, yeah, absolutely, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's just, it's quite a... It's it's been an interesting it's an interesting one to track, but um, it's sort of su- surprised us as well. But I think you know, particularly if it's a larger house, um, there's possibly less people out there building you know five million dollar beach houses than there are people building seven hundred fifty thousand dollar extensions in in South Melbourne. So um, possibly possibly that's a, that's a, a, an obvious correlation, but something that we had certainly hadn't really thought about in the office um, up until more recent times. Yeah, it's just so interesting. I mean. It's exactly what I expected <laughs> sometimes. And, and if you just focus on, I just really think that there's just this assumption that people jump to that better clients or going after bigger budgets, the, the way to get there is to ramp up the number of inquiries. And I just think it's a total misconception because like sometimes large numbers of inquiries can just be a real tell of like extremely low quality, small budget projects. And you would be seeing maybe like drop off in your stats and be like, oh man, we are going well backwards here in terms of what we're doing but it's like no you're actually heading in the right direction yep no that, that, that's exactly what we've found and you know it's, it's sort of sort of amazing we've really only been tracking this stuff properly for probably the last two years i, I, I sort of can't really believe that we've been in business this long and it's taken us such a long time to get to the, to the point where you can actually track this stuff because it's it's just such a such an interesting record even, even just like trends uh, sort of assessing trends about you know, what months of the year you're more likely to get more inquiries than you know than other months. So it's just 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 sort of simple business stuff that uh, we've never actually sort of done up until fairly recently. So um, man, give us some more. Give us some more stats coming out of this um the, the system. What else have you picked up? Uh, look, just but even just even just doing proper proper budgets for for, for the practice and 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 look, being a, a fairly small practice and having a a, a fairly Good overview of where every single project at the off in the office is at at any one time. It's been one of those ones that our budgets are always, you know, pretty sort of loose. But again, in the last few years, we've really tightened up on on that just to have a, a hopefully a, a clearer snapshot on you know how the business is performing in any one period of you know at any one sort of time. But I think also sort of yeah, looking at the um, the uh, inquiry levels and also sort of thinking about okay, um, inquiry levels into how many fee proposals getting sent per month, what the conversion rate is, what the kind of the carryover of, um, you know, kind of open fee proposals are left and sort of just following that through. So you've got a, a really kind of good record of, of, you know, irons in the fire, you know, so to speak. So it's, it's just been a, a really handy thing for us as a business to have and to be able to refer to it any one time just to have a, a fairly sort of clear snapshot on things. And it's, yeah, particularly with you know the, the sort of the economic climate at the moment and what the market is doing, it's been just really interesting sort of seeing how that's kind of um, you know inf- you know influenced some of these 
some of these numbers and some of these some of these kind of results. And I think probably with another twelve or twenty four months worth of you know worth of kind of sort of data, I guess we'll have a, a really really clear snapshot of yeah how the practices perform in fairly good times, but also in pretty pretty bad times as well. And I think that's going to be very valuable to us going forward. Yeah. I mean, without kind of dwelling too much on the current market, it feels like a story of both a drop-off in inquiries total, but also a big sense of fee proposals just sitting there, you know, and not converting. It seems like there's a lot of um, hesitation and delay from clients to actually kind of pull the trigger on their projects. Is that what you're seeing in your stats as well? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think there's also, um, I mean, a lot of our projects, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of producing concepts and um, and kind of lodging for town planning or DA approval and getting those permits, but then projects just sort of sort of sitting idle at that level, and that's understandable. I mean, it's a, a pretty pretty amazing sort of market out there at the moment. It's extraordinarily expensive to build, as everyone is, is saying, and I'm sure you know well. So, you know, there's there's all of those. All of those kind of challenges, but yeah, no, we're, we're sort of sort of seeing it, you know, seeing that reflected in our, in our numbers as well. But I think it's um, you know particularly sort of interesting. It's kind of like the um, the inquiry level and the quality of the inquiry we're finding is still relatively good. Uh, the conversion rate and the time it's taken to get, to to convert to an actual product is yeah getting blown out completely. And I think that's the that's a, that's a fairly sort of common theme at the moment. Yep, I think that's pretty good reflection of of what people are saying. I mean, it feels to me, I, I'm not I'm no economist, but it feels to me like we had these periods during COVID where the brakes just got pumped on everything. Okay, no one's doing anything for a few months because, you know, the the daily COVID numbers are going bananas and everyone's just freaking out and the sentiment's kind of bad. And then the coast would kind of clear and then all of that stuff that was sort of pent up and on hold, it just suddenly comes rushing back and everyone's just absolutely flooded with work. Everyone's out there desperately hiring. I don't know if we're going to see that again, maybe not as extreme as we did during COVID, but man, it feels like there's been at least 12 months of seriously delayed or, or postponed projects on, on going on. It's a, it's, a, it's a more, it's a longer period than anything during COVID. I wouldn't be too shocked to see like a whole bunch of projects picking up pretty quickly at some point in the future, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm just optimistic. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I think you got to be too to a degree. I mean, it's I, I think everyone's sort of crystal ball gazing a little bit with this stuff. But but I, I tend to agree. I think um, there's a lot of pressures on sort of housing and and, and the general construction industry um, or the construction industry in general. And I think that interest rates obviously are a massive a massive sort of factor. I think that there needs to be a level of stability with with rates before people start. Yeah, kind of reopening their feasibilities on 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 things and and kind of pulling the trigger. But I, I think you're right. I think it's it's only really a matter of time, and hopefully it's not too far away, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could we could all survive another twelve months, maybe. We'll see how we go. Oh, it's a good time to be in architecture marketing, anyway. I feel like this is like a, a gold a golden age for the architecture marketers. Totally. Where, uh... Totally. <laughs> so so yeah, I'm I'm optimistic. Even though it probably. All that happens when everyone gets really busy is they start going, oh, why do I need any help with my marketing, you know? So I, I, I want it to turn around for architecture's sake, but, you know, me personally, uh, we'll see how we go. <laughs> um, so, 
I guess like in part of this whole conversation about this direction, I think fees are sort of, and we're talking about proposals and we're talking about those sorts of things as well. And I get the sense being a pretty kind of analytical guy that no one is, no one has ever called me analytical ever. Oh, that's a, I don't that's know. A first, a, that's the first I've. That's the first. Oh, I think I think you're I think you're pretty analytical. Just I guess in terms of in terms of also thinking, has anything changed in terms of how you guys have put together your fee proposals or constructed your fees or charged or anything over this transition as well? Yeah, I, look, I, I think most people have um, or most architects have, have certainly reviewed you know their fee structures in sort of recent times. I mean, uh, we, we used to have a sort of a series of kind of core services that we'd offer offer for a, a full architectural service for a, for a residential build and it sort of seems like there's a series of sort of subcategories that have, have kind of crept in over the past, you know, sort of few years. I mean, you know, for example, you know, getting building permits, you know, so actually, you know, you, you, you tender a project, you sign a contract with a builder um, and then, you know, you sort of, prepared documents for, you know, for building approval, you know, for, for a building permit and, you know, getting checklists that are then, you know, got you know, 70 items on them and you're sort of left scratching your head going, well, there's zero consistency with a number of these items that haven't been on any project that we've done in the past five years. What's what's going on? And, you know, things like performance solutions and all sorts of things that have crept into this building permit process have, I think, made a lot of us you know, kind of review how we uh, you know, how we charge for that service. So rather than perhaps rolling it into one of our more kind of you know, fixed kind of key stages of tendering or building procurement or or, or sort of contract administration, um, we, we now sort of separate those services. We charge hourly rates for it because we find that every single project is different. Some projects you might have you know ten performance solutions, others you might have none. Um, and even though we generally use We'll probably only use two different building surveyors in this office uh, for for the vast majority of our work. We we still find inconsistencies across different projects for for one reason or another. So that's sort of certainly one thing that we've done in more recent times. And I think the the other thing that our practice has, has done a little bit of we've really reviewed our contract administration services. So you know thinking about um, you know, how how that sort of works and previously um, if it was a sort of a percentage based fee you know it would, it would kind of be you know sort of equated that way but we found that you know perhaps a better way for our office structure is to have a fixed either a fixed monthly retainer or again charge hourly rates for those services and that's worked out really, really well for us in, in more recent times. Um, you know, it, it, it sort of means that you have to set the, the kind of the ground rules very early with, with builders and even clients on site about, no, we have fortnightly site meetings. They're on Wednesday at 9 o'clock in the morning. They're getting unitted. If there's a series of questions, make sure you write them down and we'll address them at the next site meeting. So there's sort of an onus on everyone to be really prepared and have a proper agenda for those, um, you know, for those on-site meetings. And, Maybe we were a bit slack in the past, but perhaps didn't sort of do that as well as we could. And we found that we were sort of burning a huge amount of our sort of time on contract administration, whereas yeah, in more recent times we've really tightened that up. And um, I think we've got our sort of the way we charge out for our time and service, I think we've, we've kind of got that that balance um, yeah, perhaps working a bit better than we, we, had, we you know, had previously, which is... Uh, which is good because we were losing money too often during contract administration. Now we're now we're not going backwards, which is uh, which is which is the main thing. I, I think it's easy to underestimate your fees, isn't it? <laughs> but we love, you know, like probably like every architect, you know, we get so bloody carried away with things on site, so excited about things, you know, like. I love getting to site, and when it's sort of real business end of the build, and there's you know 
lots of stuff happening. I'm on site every other day. I, people can't get me off site. So I'm kind of my own worst enemy. But, you know, when you're passionate about the work that you're doing and the, and the projects, it's uh, it's very, very easy to get carried away. And before you know it, you've, you know, tripled the amount of hours that you should have spent on a particular project in contract admin for one month. And, uh, you know, it's hard to call that back. But, um, you know, in some in some respects, I wouldn't have it any other way. So, yeah, I'm probably not, I'm probably not the not the benchmark for, for how to how to run that sort of stuff. But it's um, you know, I th- but I think there's there's a real element of that, and I think a lot of architects fall into fall into that trap as well. When you're charging hourly on contract admin stuff, and then you want to be on site every other day, are you sort of limited from doing that because yeah, obviously it has to the client has to kind of approve it in a sense, right? That's right. I mean, you usually you know we have a, a sort of a, a fortnightly meeting structure that would be included in those sort of those hourly rates arrangements. But yeah, it, obviously from time to time, there's more intense sort of periods of build where you might be on site every week or even a couple of times a week. That's fine, but not, you know, for, for the whole duration of the build. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very sort of, you know, careful with how um, you know, how we sort of structure that. And not only me, but, you know, the other architects in the office as well about, yeah, you've got to keep great timesheets and then you've really got to sort of work backwards on, okay, you know, uh, making sure it's, uh, it's, it's all sort of, Equitable. We're not over-servicing, and, and certainly not over-servicing um, a client who is expecting to, you know, have a service that is, you know, sort of fairly clearly spelt out in our, um, in our fee agreement. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 sort of something that we we just have to manage, and we manage it on a you know, month-to-month basis. So your approach is sort of take the time that needs to be taken. Don't count the minutes and seconds as it's not so much about you know absolutely confining and controlling every sort of um step of the process but it's about looking back at it doing that analysis working out you know realistically how long do these things take and then factoring that into your kind of your next fee proposal that's what we try and do that's what we try and do so you know we we get great timesheets and really try to you know accurately you know sort of outline where hours have been spent uh, and, we, and we use that as a tool yeah we, we absolutely do uh, for, for everything that's sort of um, yeah any p- proposal we're producing on the back of that um, I know a lot of offices do have really sort of you know fairly regimented you know time allowances it, we, we've we've kind of played around with that a little bit but I think you need to have some flexibility you know projects you know they're, they're all unique they've all got their sort of nuances and you know some some jobs just just need more attention. You know, if, if you haven't been able to kind of fully nail a concept or you're second-guessing yourself, as a lot of architects tend to do, you know, we're always our, our own worst enemies most of the time. So making sure that you, yeah, you, you have that flexibility to, 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 to just continue testing ideas or continue pushing pushing an idea, I think that's really important and, um, yeah, something I don't think will, will change anytime soon. So funny. So many people I'm having on the podcast at the moment are telling me they're, they're total like timesheet wizards and all this sort of stuff and they're, 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 they're Excel gurus and, and then I'm just going like, you know what, maybe this is the recession talking. I feel like all the... All, all the people that really really know their shit and are organized are the ones that are like here to, to you know, tell their story. I love it. It's, uh, it, it's, it's maybe a kind of a key to this environment, not just ignoring that whole side of the business and just going, oh, like, she'll be right. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's, yeah. Probably, it's probably not the right, it's not the environment to take that kind of approach to these things, is it? No, no look, I, I kind of reckon generally, I think architects have got a lot better at this over the last, you know, Few years, I, I, I don't know. From from the people I talk to, I think most of us are doing sort of similar things. And 
five years ago, no chance. You know, like <laughs> like you know, Excel. When I yeah, I, I, I love a spreadsheet. I'm, I'm I'm sort of on them probably far too, far too much, but. It's a fairly new thing for me. Um, it's certainly not something that's come naturally to me as a owner of a business. It's something that um, you know I sort of have, have kind of realised there's a lot of sort of value in, in doing it, just purely to understand how your business works. And um, yeah, I mean, shit, I've been, <laughs> been going for 13 years. At that time, I had some sort of idea about about, about how it all kind of works, I guess. But I, from from what I'm sort of hearing from the people I'm talking, I think I think most of us are, are sort of doing it. To, to a, a, a kind of a more detailed, um, at a more detailed level than you know, we ever had in the past. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's very, very easy to get wrapped up in the design and, and the beautiful things, you know, the, 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 you know, the beautiful parts of the project or beautiful parts of the profession. But, um, you yeah, at the end of the day, um, you've got to be able to get the lights on and, um, you yeah, know, the sort of the business mechanics are, are equally important. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, for, for what are really, at the end of the day, pretty small businesses, I agree. I think architects are getting pretty sophisticated at business and also very sophisticated at, uh, at at branding as well and kind of brand positioning and, you know, working with extremely good creative people to to make their businesses look awesome. And I feel like that that's reaching a level of excellence that's really good to see as well in terms of uh, the size of the practice and, and managing that as well as part of this overall sort of strategy of that kind of the vision you have for the, for the practice. I mean, being four people, it's a nice sort of some nice kind of practice size. Um, have, do you feel like you're have been in positions where you've had the opportunity if that, if you wanted to, you know, you could add like more people and make it a bigger studio, but you've kind of like intentionally maybe held back or kind of kept it like sort of, Kept it, kept the pace a little bit more measured in terms of like the way the studio grows. We had an opportunity probably four or five years ago where we were doing some. We had a few commercial projects that we were doing at at as sort of this at the, at the one time, and it was it was funny. We were probably doing more commercial work uh, for maybe eighteen months or a couple of years than residential work, and it just sort of happened kind of kind of randomly, but um, just 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 sort of the way it panned out and. We had some contractors that were helping us at the time. I think we had a staff of about six um, at that stage. And it was really interesting. It was sort of the, the work we were doing, we were really happy with the work, um, but weren't really sort of sure about, you know, us, you know, kind of having more of a kind of a commercial presence than, than a residential presence. So there, I think there was certainly an opportunity where we, we possibly could have pushed for more more commercial work, and I think inherently, you know, doing larger projects, we would have had to grow, you know sort of grow the practice fairly substantially to to sort of meet the need of those those projects, which you know often have tight deadlines and and, and all those sorts of things. But you know, we just weren't ready for it. I, th- I think it, it, it kind of came down to what are, what are the projects we want to be working on? What are our ideal jobs? Don't get me wrong, man. I, I think there's some amazing commercial work that's getting built all around Australia at the moment. Some thumpingly awesome stuff getting built in Melbourne at the moment that is really, really exciting. And I think it's it's kind of gone to a sort of a, a, another level, which is which is really, really sort of encouraging to see. But just as a practice, you know, we we were kind of at this point where we could have gone down one path, and yeah, I think our practice could have, could have grown pretty substantially, sort of on the back of that, if we if we'd sort of taken the punt there, but. I think internally, you know, we were really mindful about okay, focusing on the work that we're wanting to do. What are what are what are our sort of our, our key projects that we're super passionate about that we want to be focusing on, and that that's that probably put the handbrake on that in in many respects. And 
you know, kind of as part of this this kind of you know, more recent journey that we've you know sort of gone through as a business and the rebrand and, and sort of really yeah then refocusing in on yeah this this the you know this this new wave of work that is more sort of regionally focused um, rather than in a city and and um, yeah that's 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 kind of led us to sort of settling at the moment with um, you know with four. You know, really telling people, you know, Matt and Harriet have, have um, you know, they've, they've worked with me for eight, seven, eight years. So, you know, we're really, really tight practice and, you know, every, everyone brings their own sort of skill sets to, to every project. And, you know, that's a, it's sort of a, you know, it's pretty nice, you know, sort of group to, to, to work with and, and collaborate, you know, collaborate with every day. So, uh, yeah, I feel I'm pretty, pretty fortunate. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I've got like a note on my list consistency using Derek Swalwell for everything <laughs> and I'm like okay cool maybe we maybe I need to quickly pick up on that because I mean it's um it's 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 a bit of a you know change of subject but we rarely have an episode where we don't talk about photography and photographers yeah. I love in Derek some, in yeah, some way yep so you're big Derek guy previous podcast guest everyone can go back to I think probably episode number 60 something and Derek was on there, there and he was oh. great now I love Des um Look, not only is he like a, a bloody excellent photographer, he's a, he's a great guy. We we uh, got to know each other at a at a photo shoot when I was working with uh, with Matt Gibson. Um, uh, I don't know how long ago that would have been, probably fifteen years ago. And just love his energy, just what he brought to um, what he brought to that particular shoot. So yeah, when we when we sort of completed our first projects, terraces uh, in, in South Melbourne. And, and in Albert Park and, and Port Melbourne, actually, um, yeah, I called Derek. He was, he was the only person I spoke to. I've never had another photographer quote any of our work. And really, it's, I, I think that there's sort of something beautiful about, I don't know, there's sort of a consistency in the, in the kind of the, the way um, our projects are, are, are kind of shot. And I think that a number of architects do, do the same thing. I know Kennedy Nolan used use Derek exclusively. I know Rob Kennan uses Derek exclusively. Um, other architects use other other photographers exclusively, but I think there there was something really lovely about a sort of consistent approach to how a, how you know, how a studio's work is captured. Um, that's not something that I've, I've ever really thought any you know sort of really thought about in, in kind of great detail, but it just seemed to make sense to me. So you know, and it just, and just generally his, his energy, you know, with how how we sort of go about sort of shooting something, and I'm very sort of relaxed on the photo shoot. I mean, I, I, I don't ever have set shots that he has to capture i'm like you're the pro <laughs> you know you, you go go do your thing and, and that's always worked really well for us and yeah like i said i just sort of feel that yeah being able to sort of capture you know our, our practice and how it's evolved but in a kind of a, i guess you know sort of through his lens and you know it's something that, that that i've always found pretty appealing yeah now that you're kind of thinking about the website having sort of fewer but more controlled kind of selection of projects is that sort of leading towards you maybe actually not shooting as many projects or deciding some projects we don't shoot or is pretty much everything you're working on yeah. at the moment pretty much like in the in the vein of that kind of website stuff? Uh, it's funny. There's a, there's a few projects that have been completed recently that won't get photographed and, and these, are, these are jobs that are probably from five, you know, sort of six years ago. So, look, there'll be, there'll be conversations probably that we'll have to have, we'll have internally as to, as to you know, whether, whether we, you know, shooting them for portfolio purposes or what have you. It was great actually visiting a, 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 um, a project that we completed 
going to say three years ago, very recently, and hadn't been hadn't been there for a while. The landscaping was fantastic, and just sort of walked away. And I guess you called Derek on the way home that evening, and like, matter, got, got this job that um, you know, sort of I hadn't forgotten about, but just this job that you know had had sort of seen for a while, and. Um, yeah, I think we need to shoot it. You know, it's 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 it's, it's just come together beautifully now. The landscaping is uh, has taken off, and the, and the kind of the the building materials have sort of you know settled settled down over the past three years. So it's it's kind of funny. I think I think you you know uh, there's a, sort of a few factors there. Um, you know, time is really important, and um, you know, sort of letting your building age and sort of settle in its sort of context is is really crucial. It's something that. We try to do it all our jobs. Sometimes we can't. You know, sometimes you, you, you need a photograph and photograph quickly. But um, that'll that'll probably have a, a bearing on a couple of a couple of projects. And then yeah, some other ones which you know, whilst are, are really really lovely, possibly um, aren't you know well, they're not part of a sort of a suite of projects that we want to be focusing on um, yeah. in, the, in the future. Not so we're not proud of them. We are, but it's more just I think our conversations really all been about you know uh, I guess promoting the work or showcasing the work that you want to be doing more of and I think that's uh, that's something that's that's really resonated with me certainly over the past couple of years so yeah well would be I think it's sort of a concerted sort of effort to, to really sort of focus on those type of projects rather than shooting everything that's um, that's that's kind of getting produced by the office at the moment yeah in terms of going back to you mentioned going back to that project that you finished a few years ago that in itself is kind of interesting because it ties maybe back into something you mentioned earlier about the power of the word of mouth and repeat business and stuff like that. Without the specifics of, of that particular project, I mean, what, what are you doing visiting a project that you finished three years ago? This, this, look, it's two townhouses that we did side by side uh, in Abbotsford, very tight, um, you know, infill site. One of uh, my clients, developer clients, but also best friends, they live, you know, both both took one um, one one sort of unit each, if you like, and yeah, we literally it was more sort of a conversation around come around and sort of check it out. It'd been a, a number of years. I mean, I think this was a project that was finished in early COVID days, so it was one of those ones that we handed the project over, but it wasn't the usual sort of you know perhaps formalities that you you might otherwise have in a in, in a kind of a regular environment of celebratory drinks and uh, all those sorts of things. So um, it was a great opportunity to, to, to go back and, and, and um, you know, check this, check this project out. But, you know, again, you know, my client there as well, one of, one of my clients, you know, there's now got a young family is looking for the next, the next project. So who knows, there could be, could be something that, uh, that spawns from there as well. But just sort of funny that, you know, there's, we're really happy with that project when it was completed, but just through COVID and just general circumstances, hadn't been able to kind of go back for, for a number of years. And it was pretty cool to be able to sort of walk back in and, and, and sort of yeah, kind of review everything with a sort of a fresh set of eyes, if you like. And yeah, and yeah, it's just sort of pleasantly surprising how, 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 how sort of nicely it had really sort of settled down and the, and the landscaping had, um, had been beautifully managed and, and the house was beautifully furnished. So um, yep. yeah, Derek, if you're listening, you'll, get a call from me shortly on that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other reason I pick up on it is that I meet architects occasionally that have like very little word of mouth or repeat business and I'm always kind of going like, oh, I wonder what, you know, it's not like they're bad architects or anything. They're doing good work. I mean, they might, oh, whatever, but I, I end up maybe finding out sometimes that they're not really, they're not really people people and they, once a project's over, they're kind of like, oh, all right, now I can, 
I don't really want to go see that person, <laughs> you know, or, yeah, I don't, yeah. or I'm not going to like go out of my way to pop in and have a drink and check the house out and that sort of thing. So they don't, they, they, the, the relationship sort of just sort of peters out and it, and it doesn't, it doesn't stay as this sort of ongoing relationship that can kind of go on from there. But I do find that there's this interesting pattern of going back and visiting projects. And even if it's not directly just to see the person, but it's like kind of just to see how the project is going mm. and checking in on it. I have this sort of theory that that actually is, produ- that is extremely productive from a word of mouth and repeat business standpoint. I don't know. It's a pattern I've detected out there that people that go back and visit their old projects happen to discover that the client is thinking about doing a holiday house and, and all that sort of I, thing. I think, I think you're onto something there. And, um, and, and look, we, we, we probably haven't done it as well as we, as we, we should. I mean, obviously, with, with all projects, it's a defect liability period. So you sort of, you know, you're around from time to time for that sort of that initial 12 months after after our house has been completed. But um, I, I do think you, you're onto something there, you know, that, that, that follow-up service, you know, the sort of the, the six-monthly phone call or a quick email, how are you going, blah, 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 you know. How's the house going? How's, how's the house going? Oh, you know, just, just, just some, some, some general kind of, kind of contact I think is so important. And I think you're right. It, it's, it might not necessarily be for, for the client directly if they're looking at doing another project, but... They could have been at dinner talking to some friends who have just recently purchased something and it might just put you in their immediate frame of mind and uh, that might be enough for them to pass in your details to, to one of their friends. And I think that's, you know, going back to what we were sort of saying about that, that, that word of mouth referral, I mean, it's still the strongest um, you know, way to win work and quality work, I think. Um, so I think, I think you're right. It's something that I think as, you know, as architects, we should be probably doing more of. And certainly I think we probably need to do a bit better. But um, yeah. I mean, if you look that. at other industries like, I don't know, real estate or mortgage brokers or financial advisors or whatever, that kind of check in and how you're going and how's your house going and all that stuff, like it's the name of the game, isn't it? Like, it is. Yeah. You, it's the hospitality of like keep, keeping these relationships that can, you know, that over the long term can kind of generate more projects and, and that sort of thing. But, um, but anyway, just a, just a little tangent. There's something I've been thinking about recently and, uh, you know, going out there and seeing more projects and um, that sort of thing. But, but anyway, uh, here we. Uh, we we've been go we're probably reaching almost the end of the time. Are there any like final like in all this all this conversation about all these different areas? Are there any final thoughts that are on your mind or or little recappers um, that, you, <laughs> that you want to get off your chest? Oh, I, I just don't want to. I What's don't it all to, about? I don't want to sound like I'm this analytical spreadsheet bloody That's my guru. Fault. Sorry, I'm, I'm so not. I'm so not. Um, now, look. Now, thanks for inviting me on. It's, it's been it's been great to have a have a have a chat. I mean, I, I think it's it's funny that uh, I, I sort of reflect on my time in business and I go shit. Thirteen years. It seems like a really long time, and it feels like a long time as well. But in architectural terms, it's it's nothing, you know. Like, you know, it, it, our, our game is a really long one, you know. Um, and I think that, you know, it's been it's been really sort of you know liberating for, for for me personally, kind of having an opportunity to sort of reflect on, on my business through this this rebrand. But even having a conversation with you about it, just it's it's interesting. I, I think that. Yeah, you know, it's great that we've been able to sort of survive for 13 years, but it's it's just so important, I think, to, to look to the future and, and have some optimism around that. Um, so yeah, excited about what uh, what the future holds. Oh, I asked for the recap, and I and I did not leave disappointed. I got, oh. I got the I got the beautiful <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful conclusion. Thank you so much, here. I really appreciate it, mate. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Easy. Thanks, guys.
That was my conversation with Hugh Wellard from Wellard Architects. If you'd like to learn more about Wellard Architects, you can visit their website at wellardarchitects.com.au or follow them on Instagram at wellardarchitects. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.